The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when his blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in his precious blood, my sin to... I am not contented with my Christian life. I am not contented with my Christian life. I heard Brother Hiles say over his messages that I listened to for five years, Sunday morning, Sunday night, I heard him say, I'm not a very good Christian. Well, the first time I ever heard him say it, I was stunned because I felt him to be maybe one of the best Christians I had ever heard on a consistent basis. Yet he knew himself. And he said, I'm not a very good Christian. Uh, I want to do better in my Christian experience and my life and my testimony in 2016 than I did in 2015. And some of you may think, as a looking at a preacher, you may look at me and you don't see me much. My staff does not think this. But because you're not around me much, you may say, well, Brother Bill, what's he got to work on? My staff does not say that. My staff makes lists. (laughs) But anyway, my staff and I are getting right with each other on a regular basis. Um, just this week, I had to ask my staff to forgive me. And one of my staff wrote me and asked me to forgive him. And so you, you, would, think, you would think, Christians, we wouldn't be doing that. But because we are trying to be tender to the Holy Spirit and trying to really be where we should be, we have to continually get right with each other. Uh, because we have, believe it or not, we have all kinds of uh, things that happen between us in our everyday work. I, the title of the message tonight is Godly Discontentment. Now, I know the Bible says, and people quote this, they love quoting this, uh, you, know, you know, I've learned to be content in all things. I appreciate that. Paul, Paul was, uh, he wanted to be content. But he was not content with his Christian walk. You can read that about Paul. He was not content. He was striving for the mark, the prize. He was always pushing himself. He was always wanting to do better because I think we have room to be that way. Um, I don't want to settle for unanswered prayers. I do not want to settle for things that come into my life uh, without remedy. I don't want to settle, and I don't think you should settle, for your kids going into sin. I don't think you should settle for your uh, soul winning, how people are responding to your soul winning. I think you should be asking God for more souls this year than you had last year, more attentiveness to the gospel this year when you give it than you had it last year. I don't think you should settle for a coolness or coldness that can come over you when you read your Bible. I want to read my Bible and have the fire burning in my heart. I'll admit to you, as a human being, sometimes I read the Bible and I'm cold as ice. And I I don't like that. I don't want that. 
I'm not going to be content with that. I don't think when Paul said he learned to be content, all things, I don't think he's talking about being content in, in areas of, of, of your spiritual life. We need to constantly be striving to be better Christians. I do not want to settle for an indifference towards missions or getting the word of God out. People will sometimes visit the church here, come down for the winter and say, boy, you folks are focused on missions and you're, and you're focused on the word of God getting out. That's because we're, we are consciously beating ourselves to not be contented with what we did the year before. We passed out 192,000 tracks last year. I want to pass out more than that by the grace of God next year. I want to beat Brother Moon real badly. You notice when I fired Brother Moon up, that next week he passed out 1,000. Now, I don't know if he used these children. I didn't ask any specific questions whether he used his children or used his wife, but that would have been okay. All's fair in love and wealth. Uh, but it would, have, it, would have been, it would have been okay had you used your tracks as part of your family. But uh, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to see him beat me because I, wanted, I love that competitiveness if it's done in a good spirit, you know. I think we should fire each other up for good works. I think we should challenge each other to do better. We should try to lift each other up. I don't want to settle for mediocre. In our passage, if you take your Bibles, and you would in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Now, you know this has been, I've plowed through Luke chapter 5. I forgot how many sermons. I think I've done 65, 70 messages in the book of Luke through the years. Uh, I have plowed in, in uh, this area, Luke chapter 5, verse 25 and 26, um, most of you know what, there's a paralytic healed. Most of you know that uh, about the man, let's start in verse 18. Behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy. They sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went to the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and Pharisees, of course, began to reason, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts and answered and said unto them, what reason ye in your hearts, uh, whether it is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk, either one of them is a miracle. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thy house. And immediately he rose up before him and took up uh, wherefore he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. I bet so. I bet they had a party. I bet they had a spell. Now, I've spent whole messages in just trying to describe the paralytic in his life. What it would be like to be a paralytic at that time. And if I may say, any time. Any time. But now we've got handicapped parking. And now we, we, give, we give all kinds of sweet things to paralytic and, and handicapped folks. Back in that time, they didn't give sweet things to people like that. They viewed that in an entirely different way than we do. And those people were oftentimes left off to just starve to death on their own. That's why they were beggars. And that's why they, they were in such bad shape. And so um, I, I've, gone, I've gone whole message of 35, 40 minutes just trying to describe the condition of that guy that these four friends of his were willing 
to not take no for an answer. And I just love it. That's not what I'm going to preach about tonight. Like I say, I've plowed this ground quite a bit. And they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. That's what I want to talk about. I really want to talk about one main thought there. That they have, we have seen strange things today. You won't see strange things happen as these folks saw unless you have an unusual degree of commitment. You're not going to see God's hand in power demonstrated in the mediocre. You know in Revelation chapter 3 what God thinks of the mediocre. Makes him sick. He says, I'd rather have you be hot. That's all out. Like these guys were, these four guys. Break up the tile. You know, Jesus didn't say, you know, that's a liability case there now, breaking that guy's tile up. Who's going to fix it? Or I'd have you to be cold. That's an astounding verse to me, by the way. I'd rather have you to be so turned off, you don't go to church, don't read your Bible, don't talk about God, don't let anybody know you're a Christian. Or I'd rather have you to be hot. But man, whatever you do, don't go around telling people you're a Christian, live like the devil. God didn't like mediocre. Flat out doesn't want it. Do you long for God in your life? Do you long for him to be there? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Do you believe God? Believe the Bible? In these books we've been reading lately, I've been recommending to you the Green Letters by Miles Sanford. It's called The uh, Principles of Spiritual Life. Uh, I highly recommend you get that. You can get that on Amazon.com. You can get it in our bookstore. Get it somewhere, but whatever you do, get it. Make it your devotions this year. Make it part of your life. There's another book called The Calvary Road. Why the women have gone through that book page by page. It's just been a blessing. I saw our women's group get better as they went through that book. They just got more spiritual, more real. It was sweet, sweet. Oh, there's a book that J.I. Packer, Knowing God. It'll help you. It'll help you. But all of those books say basically the same thing in a little bit different ways, but they say the same thing. God's method of growing us is to create a need. And a need comes into your life, and then with that need, you seek him with all your heart. You seek him. I've got to have help. God created a need. When I became the senior pastor of this church, I began to have migraines, bad migraines, bad. I played, how it started, I played basketball. I was 40, I was 40, I, I, I think I was senior pastor, I was 40 years old. And at 40, you don't realize that you're 40. At 40, you still think you're 30. And you think 30 is as good as 40 because you, in your mind you feel as good as 30, but you're not as good as the Manning boys hopefully figure out that a 40-year-old is old for sports. They're old, over the hill old. And so I, we're playing basketball. Well, you know, I'm in there, and I'm running three miles a day. I'm figuring, you know, I'm, I'm in good shape as these young guys. So I started playing basketball. And I play basketball that night, and, I, and I'm all at it, man. I'm going to show them how a 40-year-old can show them how to play basketball. And I'm in there running back forth, full court, running back forth, back forth, back forth. Pretty soon my legs get weak. They got weak as a kitten. I almost fell down. My legs got so weak. I didn't let them know that. I went over to the side, pretending like I wanted to need a little rest or something. Went home that night and had the first migraine I ever had. 
I thought I was going to die. I told my wife, I'm dying. My head's blowing out. I'm bleeding. I gotta be, gotta, it's got to be death. And she said, well, call emergency. No, 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 no. I don't, man, if you're smart, you never go emergency. That's a horrible place to die. And uh, everybody's, everybody's sick at the emergency room. I want to die right here in my home, in my, in my, my house. That's where I want to die. I want to choose where I die. Glory to God. Maybe he'll give me that. But anyway, I didn't die. But you that had migraines, you know what I'm talking about. You felt like you died. You felt like dying would be good. Dying would be a relief. Dying would be, and I began to have that. Now, I just became the senior pastor of Gospel Baptist Church. It was the biggest challenge of my life. I had prayed over it for six months before saying yes. I had asked God to show me. And so when God showed me his will to do it, I had absolute and total inadequacy that I was able to do this. And in fact, I told God straight out, I'm not able to do this. I'm not qualified to do this. You picked the wrong guy, but you didn't. But you know, God tells you, no, you're the guy. Why don't you do it? And, and then he gives me migraines. And I go to him and say, God, if you want me to do this, now you cripple me. Right after that, I got the gout. I don't know if you've ever had gout, but if you ever have, woo, doggies. Right after that, I got polycythemia vera. I went to the doctor. I had hematocrits of 65%. I was totally flushed, red when I preached. Chris Powell was the one. Chris Powell. Where is, where is she? Chris is the one that told me, go to the doctor. Something's wrong with you. He said, you got a red face like my sister. I think it's his sister had. And she died of it, in fact. And, and so she had it. And, and I said, what is that? So I go to the doc. I go in there, and I t- take my blood. And he says, they get a, well, you know, you go to a doctor, it ain't good when they say the word stat. I didn't know much about language, about their language. But when you see him start running around, and they use the word stat, he's got to give blood stat. So they take a pint of blood. He says, take another pint. Take two pints, but come on. I only got eight. I can count. Started a whole journey. Started a to, from then to now. Started a journey. Why did God do all that? Because he wanted me to feel I was inadequate. He wanted me to feel I couldn't do it. He wanted me to feel it could not be done in the power of the flesh. And I went before him and said, yes. Yes, and triple yes. This is crazy. I am not able even to do this. And God says, but I am. Ooh, that's what it's all about. It's not I, but Christ. As long as your I is there, God can't be there. Because God's not going to give your flesh one ounce of credit. Nothing. He's not going to give your flesh. The Bible says there'll be no flesh glory in his presence. Your flesh isn't going to get one little ounce of credit for your spiritual life because it is all of God. It is all of submitting and reckoning yourself by the grace of God. Dead to sin, but alive unto God. I loved old Cronin. Brian, where are you at, man? Man, you blessed my soul this morning, bro. I may take a lap around here. I don't know if I can make it, but I may take a lap around here. Brother Brian Cronin, and we, we had a, a late show for the guy doing devotions. Brian said, well, I'll, I'll quote Romans chapter 6. Where's Daddy? 
He quoted Romans chapter 6. Word perfect. Beautiful. It's beautiful. That's the secret. It's not I, but Christ that liveth in me. I want to be spiritually discontented, and God wants me to be spiritually discontented because he wants me to hunger and to thirst for righteousness. I remember football practice years ago, and that's probably why I act that way. I've had so many concussions. But anyway, in football practice in high school, we have about 110 guys out in August. It was hot, and we didn't let us drink for two hours. Couldn't have a speck of water. And then they would, at the end, they would turn up one hose. They would turn on. And we'd all go over there, and those guys go where they stick it in their mouth, the hose in their mouth, and drink. Then the next guy, and the next guy, and the next guy. All hundred and some of us drink out of the same hose. Oh, some of you go, Ugh. But boy, I tell you, about an hour into practice, I started thinking about water. I started dreaming about water. I started imagining what it would be like to have water. Water, water, water. That song, oh, oh, water. And I just would think about water. Oh, water would be so good. Have you ever gotten that? You need to be that thirsty once in a while. You need to just say, I'm not going to have a drink of water till the night tonight and get just really thirsty and then go get you a cold glass of water and sit there by yourself and just take that thing and thank God for it like a chicken. Raise your head to God and thank him for it. And Oh, that's good water. You know what the trouble is? We're so prosperous. We're so well taken care of. We almost never get hungry. I like just getting hungry, don't you? My dad would tell me one time, he'd say, I'm just not hungry anymore, son. I got all the money to buy the steak and no appetite. We need to be hungry for the things of God. Hungry. God comes to the hungry. People, you that read the Bible through, I can tell you one thing, you're hungry. Because it takes time to do that. It takes effort to do that. You've got to set aside other things to do that. You've got to discipline your old flesh to do that. You people that read that Bible through last year, I can tell you one thing. You told God, I'm hungry, and I want something from you. I can tell by looking at you, you got it. You got it. As the Word of God washes over you, your countenance changes, your face changes, your attitude changes, you get... The grouchies go away. I was telling people today, I tried to explain to some people why when you get old, you get grouchy. Not part of the message, but I'm going to go for it. How many, how many young people here feel that old people tend to be grouchy? Raise your hand. Troy, put your hand up. My son raised his hand. What is he now? That's, that's, that's a girl grouchy old man deal. Anyway, I know what you young people think of us. I'm grouchy old man. I'll tell you why you get grouchy, why you want to get grouchy, and you got to fight it. It's a new temptation. As you get older, you get a whole new set of temptations. One of it is, as you get older, your energy level goes down, Doc, right? Energy level goes down. Hormones go down. Everything goes down. Everything goes down. Waist goes down. Chest goes down. Everything goes down, brother. Hair goes down. Everything goes down. And, and it, it becomes hard just to do some of the mediocre things, the normal things you never thought about. I just told my wife. She was talking about driving into work. She was tr struggling with, 
with having a good attitude about work last year. And I said, woman, you used to get up, drive 25, six, seven miles down south out Naples and work, drive back in traffic, wait in traffic an hour and a half, leave the house at 7, get home at 7.30. You never complained. You never said one word. What's the difference today and then? Well, you're older, harder. It's tougher, a little bit tougher to stand, a little bit. I don't want to be a grouchy old man. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3 says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Proverbs 8, 8, 17 says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. This year I want you to pray that you'll not lose your hunger and your thirst for righteousness. Don't be contented spiritually to the point where you begin to get mediocre and lukewarm. The word early means in earnestness with painstakingly, diligently, good synonyms. How many of us are, have you spent time fasting, denying yourself essential necessities? We're going to fast here in a, in a week or so before revival again. And when we fast again and, and we'll declare a fast, some of you say, oh, I can do it. Some of you have medical conditions. Maybe you shouldn't do it. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you what fasting will do is it will make you realize your inadequacies. You make you realize your dependency upon food. makes you realize, however, the difference between your flesh and your spirit. It is a great thing to do. I just had somebody tell me tonight that their migraines went away when they fasted. I've heard that before, by the way. I've heard a lot of that before. Something about fasting migraines go away. Well, maybe when they fast, you quit eating your migraine trigger, and you quit eating your migraine trigger, you quit having migraines. Makes sense. All you got to do is quit eating. One plus one makes two. I heard somebody tell me they went on an Atkins diet one time, and they quit eating all kinds of carbohydrates. Quit eating all, really, Atkins is just quitting carbs. And they lost weight. They went on they were for six months. They lost all kinds of weight, and they never had one migraine. This is the person that was plagued with migraines. And this person never had one migraine during that six months. Well, I could tell her this. is something in the carb family is a trigger for you because she went back to her normal diet got migraines again. All she had to do was stay on Atkins and get about 89 pounds. If you stay on Atkins, brother, you get down there, you get skeletal. But she started eating. But, I mean, our, our fasting, our self-denial this year. God's coming. He's going to answer your prayers. If you hunger and thirst, he promises that he will come. As it, let's go to our passage here in verse 25. Let's look, look at a few of the things. In verse 25 there, uh, it says, Immediately he rose up before them, took that word upon the lay, and departed out of his own house, glorifying God. Um, that first of all, they were all amazed. They were all amazed when this man got up, verse, tw- verse 26. Have you ever prayed for something supernatural to happen and God did it and then you were surprised? I've done it. God, do it. Please do it. God did it. And I said, wow, you believe God answered that? You got no faith. What kind of a deal is that? Verse, they were filled with fear. They were all amazed. Look at verse 26. They were all amazed. They were amazed when they saw that happen. They glorified God because when you get amazed, then you start 
have an old-fashioned dose of amazement. You know what we need? An old-fashioned dose of amazement again about the Word of God. And we got it. We've got people in We got people get up here and give testimonies about how God spoke to them and how God's touched them through the Word of God. They're still amazed. I like the song, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus in Nazarene. Wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned and clean. And you read the Bible, sometimes you stand, you're teleported into it. and You stand amazed in his presence and listen to him teach. We needed old-fashioned dose, the same God that, that walked with Adam in the cool of the evenings, the God I worship. It's a God that's in you, the hope of glory. People that are amazed and how God is working in their life are a unified people and excited people and enthused people, a focused people, and a faithful people. Because their God is a living God. Second thing we notice is passage verse 26, they glorified God. I think it's important that you glorify God in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Amen. I think it's important. The Bible says in Psalm 7, 17, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. Psalm 9, 2, I will be glad and rejoice in thee. Psalm 61, 8, I will sing. I will sing praise unto thy name. Psalm 104, I will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to my God. Psalm 138, I will sing praise with my whole heart before thee. Uh, In Hebrews 2, 12, it says, I declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. I think it's a great thing just to sing praise unto God, go around and say praise God, have a spirit of praise. And interesting in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, it says if, if, if um, and, and you know, there's a lot, oh, there's good stuff in Malachi. Wow. It says in verse 2, he says of chapter 2, if you will not hear and if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already because you did not lay it to heart. God, in praising God and glorifying God, is just simply recognizing the reality of the universe. Thirdly, they were filled with fear. The people in that house, when the old boys cut that hole in the roof and brought them down, uh, they, they were amazed. They were filled with fear. The fear of the Lord will prolong your days. It says in Psalm or Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27, it says, The fear of the Lord prolongeth days. I believe that. I believe that's one of the reasons I'm still here. The fear of the Lord gives you a sure confidence. In Proverbs 14, 26, and the fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. You know, when you see all this Obama stuff going on and this terrorism going on and all this Islam immigration going on and, and how what's happening over in Europe, which they've sold to the wind, now the reaping of the whirlwind over there, and you see our the illegal immigration here and all the jobs going overseas, and you see it looks like America's wealth is diminishing and our, our the once great United States of America based on and God we trust seems to be uh, crumbling under our feet in every direction. You may lose your confidence. But I'll tell you one thing, I've got confidence in the God of the Bible. And I know that he'll take care of us one way or another. He's going to take care of us. We have a strong confidence in him. Uh, the fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the fountain of life, Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. It is better than great treasures, Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Some of the most miserable people that I have ever known are rich people without God. 
rich people without God, some of the most miserable, why their children have affluenza. I told one thing, Troy, you didn't ever have the affluenza. I made sure you didn't have no affluenza. And no, no Gillespie kid has ever had affluenza. They got the opposite of that sometimes, but they never got affluenza. <laughs> Proverbs 22, 4 says, By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. It's the instruction of wisdom in Proverbs 15, 33. Proverbs 16, 6 says, By mercy and truth iniquity is purged, but by fear of the Lord men depart from evil. I believe that one of the reasons society is in such a debauchery today and trouble is, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 18, there is no fear of the Lord before their eyes. Fear of the Lord is gone in many cases. And then they said, look in verse 26 here, he says, uh, and they were all amazed and they glorified God. They were filled with fear and said, we have seen strange things today. Word strange means paradoxical things, contrary to expectations, extraordinary things. God's glorified by our demonstration of faith and his ability to answer our prayers. God wants to show you some strange things. Boy, it's a beautiful thing following God and then seeing him work. And we see some strange things today. Jeremiah chapter 32, 37, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? No. Man, we need to cheer up, my brother. There's nothing to worry about. The Lord God is as strong today as he ever was. We need to do the right thing. We need to pursue him. We need to understand our inadequacies. We need to have a sense of godly discontentment and go to God and say, Help me to be a better Christian. Help me to have more patience which means you're going to have more trouble. But help me to be more like Christ. In 2016, may you help me to overcome some iniquities. Maybe some of you have struggled with the same failure in the same area for 20 years. Don't you come to the place where you say, that's just the way I am. That's fatalism. That's horrible. Brother, God's anything but fatalistic. As long as you're breathing and as long as God is God, there's hope that you can overcome what maybe has overcome you for 20 years. You can still overcome. You can still be this old paralytic that was laid down through them tile. I don't know how long he'd been that way, but I got a funny feeling he'd been that way quite a while. His family was destitute because of it. He had absolutely, think about it, he had no hope of ever getting better until he met Jesus. Take up your bed and walk. Go home. And they had him a spell at the house. Imagine him walking in the first time, seeing him. Maybe his mom and dad were alive. I don't know. Maybe, he's, maybe he had a wife. I don't know. But he had a home. He had a place to live. He had some place he went to. And the people he went to, imagine that old boy walking in there. Woo, he had a spell, brother. That's what I want to see. I want to see strange things. I want to see strange things in 2016. I want to see God save some people I never thought in my humanity could be saved. But those people are just too far to go. Oh, God loves to save people like that. I don't know if you saw the book, Chef, uh, watched the movie produced by Bob Jones called Sheffy. There was an old boy. He, he, was a, he ran the steel in the movie. He, 
ran the old steel, and and uh, I got to know him some, Billy Kelly. I went to his, he was a mountain of a man, and he was a mountain man, and he was huge. And and, and, and the old boy played that, when he played that part, he didn't have to act. That's who he used to be before he got born again. And he got saved, brother, was a preacher and a singer for God and did a great amount of good in his life. People were amazed when Billy Kelly got saved. That's the way I want to, I want to see that. I want to see God. I want to see God save some high schoolers. I want to see. Oh, we're talking to Ludwig about getting into high school. Boy, Florida's tight when it comes to getting in their high schools. They don't want you to get in their high schools. I want to see God blow that thing out open. I want to see us get into the high schools and preach the gospel. I know that if those kids heard the gospel, many of them would get saved. I want to be amazed by what God does. I want to see an exceptional amount of people, a strange amount of people get saved this year. I want to see a strange or an exceptional amount of people be healed uh, from the harassing things that they have upon them. I want to see an exceptional amount of people getting right with God and getting right with each other and putting down their idols and turning off their TVs and getting rid of some of their video games and internet and fishing and golf and tennis and Anything else is taking time away from God that he deserves. Got quiet. Especially when I hit that golf and fishing. Nothing wrong with golf or fishing unless it takes something away from God. And I think you do what God wants you to do when you go fishing. God blesses the preacher. He'll bless you when you go out there. I've seen it happen too many times when I did the will of God and then God allowed me to go fishing or allowed me to go do something like that, that I prospered in it and was blessed in it in a supernatural way. I just believe there's a God. Do you? You believe he loves you? You believe he wants to manifest himself to you? You believe, you believe he wants to show you some strange things this year? Remember, God's got all the power. It's not a big deal for him, but it's big for us when we see him work. you got some unsaved kids that haven't responded to the gospel, and they look like it's absolutely hopeless. They're as wild as, as can be. And you've almost, as a parent, said, I don't know if they ever get saved. Well, how about this year, God, you saved them? How about this year, you saved them? How about you spend some time saying, God, I want to see some strange things this year. I want to see my neighbors saved. Amen. I love See, I got. I pray for my neighbors by name. A whole raft of my neighbors by name. Ask God to save them. Some of them old people hate me. Imagine me. I want them to get saved. Father, help us this evening. Oh God, help us to see some strange things. May we may we be allowed by the grace of God to have an, a feeling of of inadequacy. Don't let us feel contented in areas that we're not where you want us to be. Help us to always be striving for the mark, for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Help us to be leaning into it. Help us not to be lazy. Help us not to give into our flesh and, 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 and pamper our bodies and starve our spirits. God forbid, if anything, help us to starve our bodies and feed our spirit. Lord, help us to understand what's real, what's eternal, 
do your work tonight among these people, which you have been doing the whole time. And God, start right here with me. Lord Jesus, help me to see my inadequacies. Help me to see my unchristian things. Help me to be a better Christian, more spiritual, more real. May I walk with thee in a better way than I've ever done before. Father, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. You come.